Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome again a very, very accomplished professional diplomat, someone passionate about climate change from Norway, Mr. Eric Solheim. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashutosh, for, for asking me. I'm, I feel so privileged to be on your show. Thank you. Uh, Eric is the Green Diplomat. He's the sixth executive director of the UN Environment. He's the vice chair of the China Council for International Cooperation on Environment and Development. Eric is a well-known global leader of environment and development, as well as an experienced peace negotiator. He has been the Norwegian Minister of Environment and International Development from 2005 to 2012. And... He serves on the boards of several organizations from around the world. So, Eric, I've been seeing the amazing work that you're doing to support the climate change work that's happening in India. So my first question to you is, can you give us an overview of the current state of climate change and sustainability in India? Yeah, I mean, first, I think everyone understands that the situation is severe. I mean, we see forest fires in California or Canada, obviously. Yeah. So the huge flooding in Pakistan last year. So there's no need to speak about the severity of the situation. I want mm. to speak about the uh, solutions. Yep. And I see solutions coming up by the day in India, mm -hmm. mainly for the reason that the old debate, which was, do we want to develop or do we want to take care of Mother Earth? That's mm. gone. Mm. And I give a lot of credit to the Prime Minister, to Mother Chi, for doing that because he, mm. because he has come to India with a completely new message, mm. which is how can we bring everyone out of poverty? How, mm. how can we promote a huge middle class in India, but do it by green policies mm -hmm. like solar panels? Mm. And interestingly enough, a number of chief ministers, even some chief ministers who are dead against Mr. Modi, like mm. Mr. Stalin in Tamil Nadu or mm. KCR mm. in Telangana, their message is exactly the same. So yeah. I see a lot of promise coming from India these days. Mm. Wonderful. And what, in your opinion, are some of the major environmental challenges that we face in India when it comes to context change, climate change? I think the main issue is very simple, to see climate change not just as a problem, but as an opportunity. Mm. Opportunity for jobs, opportunity for, for progress, opportunity uh, for wealth. Uh, and of course, there are any number of jobs to be had. Mm. Uh, there is a company which I think most Indians know, Ola. Mm -hmm. They have just set up a fantastic green, clean uh, factory in Tamil Nadu. 2,000 yeah. young Indians are working there, mm. all Tamils. Uh, but they have a slogan which I really love. It says, Tesla for the West, Ola for the rest. <laughs> of course, meaning that right there in Tamil Nadu in yeah. India, you mm. can make products for the world market, capturing the world market, creating jobs, mm. while at the same time going green. Great response. Thank you. My next question is, how has India's approach to sustainability and climate change evolved over the years? Look, if you start with the very beginning, uh, the old Indians venerated nature. Absolutely. Uh, it was it was not, and they had the concept of oneness, by, by the way, in the state of Madhya Pradesh, they just mm -hmm. opened a statue of oneness. Mm -hmm. It's a 30-meter tall statue mm -hmm. to celebrate the idea of oneness. Oneness, of course, meaning 
Indians, all Indians, but Indians and Chinese, Europeans, and Americans, mm. everyone mm. is one, but also oneness with nature. Right. And they venerated nature to the extent that they made God half animal, mm. half human, like uh, Ganesh, half elephant, half human, or Hanuman, half monkey, half human. So from the very, very beginning of times, mm. the environment was on top of the agenda. Mm. But of course, during modernization of India, people wanted rapidly to get out of poverty, and then they prioritized economic development rather than, uh, than nature. Mm. But now the opportunity is there because solar is the cheapest energy in the world. There's right. no need to go into coal, no need to go into fossil fuels because solar is cheaper, wind is also cheaper. So for the first time, this old idea of complete oneness of humans and nature can also be uh, implemented in the real life of the modern economy. Well said. And what, in your opinion, are some of the key government initiatives? And I'm delighted you said that irrespective of which government may be in the, in, in, at each state, the agenda for climate change seems to be the same. So what, in your opinion, are some of the key government initiatives that and policies in India aimed at addressing climate change and sustainability? As I see it, Prime Minister Modi is very much following the successful recipe from South Korea. Mm. During the days when South Korea made world-class companies like say Samsung or Hyundai, which yeah. everyone knows and respects, mm. it was government to be pushing, setting the vision, launching missions, and then the private sector, of course, implementing the technologies. Mm. Prime Minister Modi is now launching any number of green missions for India, green hydrogen mission for India, green battery mission for India, uh, green um, uh, mobility mission for India. And this is all the same, using the state as a vehicle to drive the private sector development. Obviously, I mean, all the electric cars or buses India needs can be made by yeah. the private sector. They will have to be need by, made by Ola or Tata or Mahindra mm-hmm. or private sector companies. Mm-hmm. That government can give the direction and they can make help be helpful in regulating markets, giving the permissions, but then leaving to the private sector to actually opera, operationalize uh, everything. Well said. And... Conversely, what, in your opinion, are some of the biggest obstacles or roadblocks to achieving sustainable development? I think maybe the biggest roadblock is in our brains still, in our minds. Yeah. We are still a little bit in the in the past, believing that if we go green, we will lose jobs and we will be poor. And sometimes even environmentalists, uh, unfortunately, speak as if it's an enormous sacrifice if we go mm. green. No, it's a way to much better health. I mean, if we, if the air pollution in Delhi and some other cities can be, be clean, much better health for people. Mm-hmm. Added many more jobs and many more jobs in the new industries than in the old. Than in the old. Mm-hmm. And added to that, of course, much better to create a beautiful and sustainable India. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> what, again, you know, you, you've been traveling to so many different parts of India, and I've seen photographs of you in Hyderabad, for example. What are some innovative solutions or technologies that India is adopting to combat climate change? Some of them are, of course, using well-tried recipes, like simply going green. In Hyderabad, there is now 180 urban parks, Mm. some small, some bigger. 
the tree cover of the state of Telangana has been increased by 7%. Mm -hmm. But this is this is not by chance. This mm -hmm. is because the chief minister, KCR, decided to make it one of his pet projects to drive mm -hmm. this development in the state of Telangana. And the state is much greener. But look, there's also enormous economic benefits from this because Hyderabad is maybe at least one of the most attractive cities in India. Mm. Population growth is enormous in Hyderabad because people want to live in a dynamic, high-tech city, but mm. also a green, uh, nature-based city. Right. So combining economy and ecology is very rich in Hyderabad is, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But you see it all over. I mean, just recently I visit, visited um, Sanchi in Madhya Pradesh, mm -hmm. much smaller city, a much yeah. cooler place, and a historical city with mm -hmm. a great Buddha stupa. But they have now implemented a, a very important solar plant in Sanchi, mm -hmm. making it possible for the farmers to pump uh, the water into the farms. Mm. Uh, by uh, by solar solar energy, making the city of Sanchi powered mm. by solar, and even setting up street lights powered by solar, so that mm. women can feel safer at night walking outside their homes uh, in solar powered light. Mm. So there are numerous initiatives all over India. Madhya Pradesh is run by BJP. Case in, uh, Telangana is run by the opposition. Yeah, yeah. but the, the aim is the same. Mm, very, very nice and very reassuring to hear it from you. My next question is that how can India strike a balance between economic growth and environmental conservation? And a lot of discussion happens that because India is a developing country, why are we focusing so much on conservation and not on using our resources? No, I mean, look, this is, of course, the enormous opportunities of the 21st century because in the past uh, there was a choice to be made there was no way you could develop fast right. unless you based it on coal mm. the industrial revolution happened in the united kingdom because they had abundance of coal mm. uh, and that spread to europe to america to china to korea to everywhere mm. so in the past you had to make that choice and also if you wanted to develop it came with quite a lot of destruction of nature mm. but now we have all the policies and all the finances and all the technologies to combine environment and economy. So the choice is not any longer ours. If you switch from coal to solar, mm -hmm. you save money, which can be used for educational health, yeah. Yeah. better for your health, of course, and it's better uh, for, for, for Mother Earth. So mm -hmm. the old choice between environment and ecology, it, it was true in the past, mm -hmm. but it's no longer the real choice. And the first person to really drive that uh, understanding in, in India has been Prime Minister Modi himself. Mm, well said. My next question is that are there any unique challenges or opportunities in implementing sustainable practices in India as compared to a lot of other countries? There are some, first, some enormous opportunities. Like India has a population of 1.4 billion people. And it's one market. If you produce something in Tamil Nadu, well, you can sell it in Misuram or, yep. or in Kashmir. Mm. Uh, there's no customs, no problems. It's just one market. And the market is demanding. So if you make something in that market, the price will normally be low. Mm. And that means you will be competitive exactly. in the global market. Mm. I think that the biggest challenge for India, in my view, is to make sure that more of the jobs from the green transformation comes uh, in India. Look, China mm -hmm. is 
now by far the world leader in green transformation. Mm. No one should criticize China for that. That's Absolutely. an enormous, amazing mm. achievement of China. Yeah, uh, 80% of all solar panels in the world are made in China, for yeah. instance. 80% of all hydropower last year came in China. 60% of all electric cars are made in China. And I can go on and go mm. on. 70% mm. of all electric batteries. Mm. But of course, uh, in, the, in, the, in the early phases, we need to import some of this from China. But mm. it needs, with the slogan of the Prime Minister himself, to make it in India. So mm. that's what create jobs and prosperity in India. Mm. So making that transformation, building up the industrial capacity, creating the educated working class which can make uh, these um, products and make sure that the government system is not too bureaucratic so that you get the permissions and get it working. That is the biggest challenge, but it's also an enormous opportunity mm. for India. Mm. Thank you. How can the youth in India be empowered to take a more active role in promoting sustainability? I see a lot of progress in that. Wherever I come, I see young people who want to start, make a startup. Mm. Uh, sometimes they want to work with a civil society group, but very often they want to go into business. They have ideas. They need to be supported. So getting banks and more, let's call it more, experienced industrialists to mentor mm -hmm. all these young people, I think is critical because, they, yes, they are new, they are amateurs, but, uh, well, Infosys was also started by people who were amateurs in the Correct. first place. Correct. Uh, so some of these companies will come a long way, but they will need mentoring and they will need financing, financial resources to really mm. go, go far. But there is an enormous, enormous promise everywhere there are young people who want to be part of this transformation. Mm. Wonderful. And what, in your view, are the role businesses can play to promote sustainability in India? Business is at the core of the transformation. I mean, true, without the government, it mm. will not help. Mm. If the bureaucratic system of the government make it impossible to, say, get the permission to set up a solar plant or to make offshore wind, nothing will work. So you need a strong government. But as I've said repeatedly, that's not now in place. And Prime Minister Modi is the strongest Prime Minister in modern times uh, in India and driving this green transformation. Mm. And you have strong governments in many states, some of them with the BGP and some of them also with the opposition. Mm. But within this framework set by the government, business is the key. There is no way governments can produce all the technologies, drive the change. Mm. Uh, so uh, governments, uh, sorry, businesses need to see the opportunities, need right. to see the markets. Look into how they can produce first in India for a demanding home market, but then to go uh, go abroad. Mm. Uh, India is still some way to go uh, to compete with China when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to IT. Mm. India is a world leader. I mean, India is the first country in the world, for instance, to make visas uh, uh, um, virtual. I have, if you go to the United States or, or, or China or Europe, wherever, it's a paper, it's in the, mm. in the passport. Yep. India has made a virtual virtual mm. uh, passport or virtual visa. It shows how far India is coming. And wherever I go in India, mm. I'm connected mm. everywhere. Absolutely. Some parts of Europe is, is, is difficult, but wherever mm. I go, I'm easily connected. Absolutely. So India has a lot to show for itself, but it needs to kind of take these enormous business opportunities into competitiveness on the, on the global markets. Wonderful. So I have time for two more questions for you, Eric. My next question is, how can India collaborate with other countries 
and international organizations to address global ch climate change uh, challenges? Uh, the main global economies, India, China, the United States, and Europe are now all driving in the same direction. They're mm -hmm. all leaders who understand mm -hmm. the importance of, of climate change and want to go green. Mm -hmm. uh, India can, uh, of course, learn from others in areas where, say, China has developed uh, technologies further um, than, uh, than, than, than India. Mm. But India can also teach the world quite a lot. Look, the G20 presidency of India was the most dynamic presidency of the G20 ever. No other nation has mm. been able to put G20 so center stage mm. and drive compromises on, on diplomatic issues in the way uh, India did. And that's, of course, uh, a great, um, shows a great respect to the, to the Prime Minister, but also to say Amitabh Kant, G20 mm. Sherpa, and many, many others, George yeah. Shankar, the Foreign mm. Minister, mm. they simply did very, very well. Absolutely. So the time where India should just import ideas is gone. India shall learn from others, but also export ideas and technologies to the, to the rest of the world. I mean, just to give you one example. Mm -hmm. uh, the respect for animals in India yeah. uh, is higher than anywhere else in the world. Absolutely. If, if a wolf in my nation, Norway, kills, I mean, it's never killing humans. Sometimes it kills sheep. Mm. It will be immediately uh, killed. Mm. If an elephant or a tiger even kills humans in mm. India, it's mm. not killed, it's replaced mm. into a new um, national park yeah. where it cannot, or a new environment where it cannot harm humans. Absolutely. That speaks so loudly about respect of animals or, or nature, mm. which is so strong in India, and which India basically should tell the rest of the world, please come and look. Mm. Thank you. What a great response. And my last question What are some of the key lessons? that other countries can learn from India's approach to climate change and sustainability? I think the most important is this understanding that there are opportunities. I see a number of developing countries. Mm. They spend all their time demanding more money from the United States or Europe. I mean, that's a very, very fair demand. Yeah. Yeah. You have to understand it and mm. support it. But it will not bring that developing country far yeah. because they won't get a lot. Mm. Only those nations like India who say, oh, wow, here's an opportunity. We can capture markets. We can grow our business. We can have 7% economic growth mm. while going green. Only they will succeed. So I think for others to look into this strong leadership India is now providing mm. and the dynamism of the Tatas, Reliance, Adanis, and all the other companies, of course, many much smaller, like in the environment sector, you have Renew, you have Acme. You have so many companies to really understand the importance of the political leadership mm. and the dynamism of business. That's the main takeaway from other developing countries in the relationship uh, to, to, to India. Wonderful. For the first time, I mean, in the past, it was nearly always, I mean, at least for the last 200 years, the West was leading the world. It's gone. Now we see India and, of course, also China leading the world strong south mm. nations well said and india is benefiting from the enormous market uh, that and there, there, are, there are no trade restrictions within india so when you make something you can make it at scale cheap and then go abroad very well said eric on that note thank you so much for speaking to me thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of climate change um, every time i speak to you i learn something new today i got such an amazing perspective from you on 
the work India, Indians, Indian leaders are doing. And thank you for also uh, comparing so many different opportunities that India could learn from the world and some of the areas India could contribute to the other countries of the world. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.